to The Dynamic Decade, a podcast focused on the economy, energy, and innovation. Your host today is Ron Hayes. Well, thanks so much, and welcome to another edition of The Dynamic Decade. Ron Hayes with you today, and we're honored to have as our guest Jason Lanclo, who's the director of the Louisiana Department of Natural Resources. And Jason, what I guess what you're based in Baton Rouge, is that right? Ron, that's that's correct, and 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 I serve um, under Secretary Tom Harris, who's the cabinet level secretary of the Department of Natural Resources, and and I am the director of what's what's called the State Energy Office in inside the Department of Natural Resources, and we are uh, we work directly with the Department of Energy, and we're we're funded to try to help companies look at long term transition to to really push you know forward with new energy technologies and. And look at, you know, just the future. We're trying to make sure that folks are, are understanding that, you know, there are a lot of things going on in energy that are super exciting. We've got traditional, but there, there's a lot happening and a lot, to be, um, a lot to be excited about with what's going on. So, so how long have you been in, uh, in this particular role? So, Ron, I, I came over in 2018, and, and prior to that, I, I did some work for um, a, a consulting firm, did, did about 12 and a half years started out uh, as an environmental and structural engineer and um, went into uh, a track, kind of became a project manager and a program manager for some very large energy companies and had some opportunities to, to work in that field for a number of years and switched gears after uh, after that that time period and went to work for the governor's office doing coastal work and uh, an agency called the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. And that's where I think I got a what I would call a first-hand view of, of climate and the dynamic changes that are occurring, you know, on our coast and in our in our region. And um, for, first-hand look being, you know, being able to go to projects and physically see processes that were happening and, and changes that were actually happening day to day, you know, in those areas and and just how important our state's resources are. And I think that you know it gave me just a, a unique appreciation for, you know, how these things work and, and, that, and that we needed to, to, to do something and have a plan for, for making sure that Louisiana was ready for the long term. So I spent um, about five and a half, six years working at CPRA, and then I've been at the Energy Office since, since 2018, and I, I really enjoyed getting back into this field and, and working with these companies who, who are just doing a lot of instrumental changes that we think are going to really set us up for the future. And and you know when you think of Louisiana, you do think of those those coastal uh, installations, uh, oil rigs out uh, a few miles from from the coast. Yeah, quite a history Louisiana has when it comes to uh, the oil and gas industry. Uh, maybe talk us talk to us a little bit about what's going on today in energy, especially the traditional energy sources in Louisiana. Sure, absolutely. So, so Ron, we we have um, what's been tagged as a as a working coast, and we have a a delta that is so dynamic. And basically, you know, years ago, without going into too much detail, the the Corps of Engineers, when when the Mississippi River was levied, you know, you you lost a resource that was basically feeding a lot of these areas, you know, around New Orleans, and just you know, we always compared it to a, a Gordon hose that would sweep back and forth and you know, deposit sediment and, and rebuild and, and allow these areas to recharge. And, and that particular resource has, has been cut off. And, then, you know, so now we've got you know, just a lot of dynamic changes that are occurring on our coast. And you hear about sea level rise and you hear about, you know, just communities that, you know, in the next 25 to 50 years are going to be dramatically affected by changes that are occurring. And, and for us, we are not climate scientists. We try to just you know, look at data and work with uh, folks who are who are studying this for a living, 
and to try to make good decisions on, on what's happening. And I think that our energy companies are very much doing that. So when we talk about, you know, traditional energy and our working coast, we have communities that we, we would look at being very much connected to what's happening in the energy industry. And a lot of the, you know, Terrebonne and Lafouche and, you know, even Lafayette and New Iberia have historically been communities that, that have serviced the oil and gas industry. And, we, and we, we see Louisiana's role in terms of fueling the country, you know, where so much of this stuff comes through the crossroads of, of offshore oil and gas drilling, both on onshore, offshore waters, state waters and federal waters, I guess is what I meant to say there. And just, you know, there's this huge dynamic in terms of these Gulf resources that we're, you know, we've been so fortunate to be able to, to look at having long term. But, you know, what we're trying to do is to develop a plan to not only enable those resources to continue being um, just very productive, but to do so in a manner that, that's looking at the future and making sure that, you know, how we're going after oil and gas resources is done in an environmentally responsible manner. You know, how are companies monitoring for methane and how are we doing and coming up with plans to make sure that we can still do traditional oil and gas work, but also start to look at and transition to some of these other technologies that are that are so promising, like bioenergy and some of these other lower carbon sources of energy that we think are really going to be the future to, you know, marine transport and aviation and, and lots of other industry sectors that we have in Louisiana. I hadn't really ever thought about, you know, the the fact that we have obviously got to uh, uh, build that waterway in such a way that it does remain a reliable uh, in and out of our country, the middle part of the United States. But uh, that that has impact on on the Delta, doesn't it? It sure it sure does, Ron. And I mean, and, and there's so much commerce that that occurs, you know, just about not only in the Gulf, but up to the Mississippi River. You know, so I mean, protecting that resource is super important but also making sure that we always remember that, you know, there, there is a people component in, in all these communities and that, that are affected by these changes. And, you know, and these companies have a long history of being located in these regions. And, you know, traditional oil and gas is important to our state, but we're also starting to see that, you know, a lot of folks who work in those industries are very well suited to be able to transition to some of these other industries that are starting to show so much promise. And I think that that's why, you know, folks are excited, and I think that it, you know, it's it, our leadership in our state has done a very good job of trying to look at you know how we carefully make those transitions so that there are opportunities for you know those workers who have those skill sets that we we want to make sure that can continue you know being employed and contributing to the economies in those areas. Talking today here on the Dynamic Decade with Jason Lanklow. Uh, Jason, uh, you're working, of course, with the Louisiana Department of Natural Resources, and uh, that you're, you're in that energy area of that, that particular office. Uh, we're talking about, obviously, the, the traditional energy, but there's a lot of work going on in renewables uh, in, in Louisiana as well. Tell, tell me about that. Absolutely, and and I think that that that's that's what's exciting. So so Ron, in, in my short time period here, I mean, re- renewable energy was always something that we looked at, that I was interested in, but didn't really see you know how or or when that application would occur. And I think that what's so exciting right now is we have companies that are looking at locating in Louisiana. Some of them have already signed you know uh, long term lease agreements and that are working on actually taking that next next step to actually building facilities. But we have this we have these phenomenal facilities right now that are taking, you know, what I call bio waste from all over the country, which is, you know, used cooking oils or potentially, you know, maybe working with some of the food production facilities and using those as feedstocks to make a you know a renewable diesel product or maybe potentially a renewable aviation fuel. And that's that's the type of thing that we're seeing that 
some of the states in the United States right now have put forth standards or requirements that they that, that they're going to have to offer some of these renewable products. And I think that you know you look at the Valero biodiesel facility in uh, just outside of New Orleans. And th these are innovative types of facilities that we see having a tremendous footprint and opportunity to really grow. And we, we've had a couple other uh, folks who've approached us and that, are, that have facilities that are in the works. The Grown Fuels facility at the Port of West Baton Rouge um, is going to be a major facility and a major investment, uh, a multi-phase bioreactor that can take lots of different uh, products from uh, and use those and, and manufacture a lower carbon fuel or aviation fuel. We have another facility in North Louisiana that's going to do something very similar with uh, work with our forestry industry. So there, there is a lot in terms of what we're trying to do to attract companies that are looking at carbon intensity and looking at making products that potentially have um, a premium to be sold all over the world. And I think what you're seeing is that in Europe and some of these other countries, even before um, what's happened in Ukraine, that you know people are, are really demanding those types of products. And, and again, we, we want to work towards getting there where we're producing a product that is a premium, but also doing it for the right reasons. And I think that you know, attracting companies that kind of have that mindset that, that are looking toward the future where we can invest in some of these facilities now, knowing that these products are going to be, and there's going to be a, a significant demand for them in future years is super important because for us, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that, you know, that our, that our kids who are in grade school and middle and high school now kind of have a career track for being able to, to find, you know, jobs and, you know, engineers and scientists and being able to work in these industries, you know, whether it's offshore wind or bioenergy or, or hydrogen or carbon capture, but those are significant things and opportunities for us to pursue as a state because it really positions us to be successful if, if, if kids have a, a career track in one of those fields. One of those areas that uh, looks like is kind of uh, out there right now, but maybe it's a little bit closer than we even we realize, uh, is this uh, all this conversation about hydrogen as a fuel source. And I know Louisiana has actually been uh, involved in uh, a developing partnership, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, on trying to uh, move forward with, with hydrogen. What, 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 what's going on in Louisiana on this? Sure, Ron. You know, so we announced what's called our, our Halo Partnership, which is exactly what you just articulated: um, hydrogen, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Oklahoma. And it's probably one of the most exciting things that I, that I've worked on in my career. And, and and the reason that I say that is because a lot of times, even in, in state government, I, I have seen in, in my short tenure that you know a lot of things are being developed in in a in a very statewide basis where you know it's a, it's competition internally you're always looking at you know what's what's best just for this area to to actually take a more regional approach and and to to work with folks like secretary Keogh and secretary Wagner from Arkansas and Oklahoma th these are innovators in their field and you know when you when you travel and you go to meetings and and you start to talk to folks and you hear just about similar mentalities about what they're trying to do. And you read about, you know, a lot of the different developments that are happening in their two states with, you know, vehicles and transportation and mobility, you start to kind of get a picture of, hey, this, this industry potentially has all the pieces for a partnership. And, and, and when we started to, to put this together, you know, we really, really started to get excited about, you know, we can pretty much do every part of the hydrogen value chain. We've got this tremendous resource. We talked about the Mississippi River. We have a port system that goes all the way up to Oklahoma. 
So the transportation industry, the marine industry, the mobility industry, Arkansas has uh, you know crossroads of J.B. Hunt and these big trucking facilities that are that are shipping goods and services all over the country. So when you start to look at hydrogen and its application into power and into our industrial processes and into manufacturing, but also into mobility, you really start to get a get a feel for just tremendous opportunities that are that are happening all over the country. And I think that. These three states have kind of demonstrated when we when we put this hub proposal together that we we want to show companies that this is a place that we want them to do business that we we see this as a tremendous opportunity you know to start to bring in collaboration where you know a project like we announced in uh, Ascension Paris their products facility that's going to be a four and a half billion dollar development that's going to be producing uh, a lower carbon hydrogen we see that as a catalyst for really attracting you know other investors. We had a recent announcement with Plug Power that's going to be partnering with Olin, that they're going to be manufacturing green hydrogen for fuel cell forklifts that are going to be used at a lot of the Walmart distribution centers. Oklahoma has tremendous applications on, on mobility with Canoe and Nikola and some of these other companies that are just really innovators in their field that are trying to bring hydrogen to the forefront of really moving it to the next phase. And I think that when you talk to folks who've been in this industry for a number of years, you know, hydrogen's had some opportunities before where, you know, the people thought that it would um, really start to take flight, but it didn't. Um, we're starting to see that this particular timing now where the applications, I think, are, are, are really, really ready for hydrogen to be implemented into to all these different technologies. And I think that when you kind of take that comprehensive approach to energy where you start to look at applications and you say that, you know, we're, we're not only going to do hydrogen, but we're going to integrate it with CCUS, we're going to integrate it with some of these other technologies, that's where the, all these things start to work, and I think that our, our governor's been very uh, vocal about being, you know, comprehensive and bringing in, you know, lots of a multifaceted approach to energy, and that's really helped to steer us in the right direction to, to, to put policies in place and to put uh, things in place to really attract these companies who, who want to, to do production and to really make this a priority in their companies for the long term. So we're super excited about the opportunities in this partnership. Governor Hutchinson and Governor Stitt and Governor Edwards, which you will find, I think, when you hear them talk about energy is that they have a very similar approach to how they want to position their states to be successful. And, that, and that's why this partnership made so much sense for us, because not only is the opportunity there, but we have, you know, the tools, resources, workers, and just all the different pieces that we think are going to, to really drive hydrogen to the forefront of that next generation. I, I take it that this this partnership, the, the one of the goals is to be a really a major player uh, as you interact uh, with with uh, Uncle Sam. Uh, you know, as you as you just look at all the potential of of uh, hydrogen as a significant uh, energy source going forward. It, it absolutely does, and, and and the Department of Energy, I will give them so much credit for for just being, you know, just being so working with us and working with states and regions to to really start to push this forward. And I think that you know when 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 we see collaboration, we we want companies to see this as a place to do business, and the hubs and the proposals and the RFIs that they've put together so far have really started to drive. I think a lot of states thinking bigger, where you know initially. You know, people would think about projects. They would think about one particular development as being, you know, hey, look, this can really change things. But what we're trying to do is to think even bigger than that and connect all the dots where, you know, industries are working together, where mobility applications are working together. You know, the port system is, is just ripe for investment in hydrogen. And for us, you know, each state kind of has individual opportunities. 
our industrial and manufacturing facilities here, you know, have hydrogen and even our power generation facilities, if we can integrate it into a lot of the, the day-to-day functions, what you'll find is that this has a direct benefit to climate. And that's what we're trying to do at the end of the day is to, to, to look at long-term emission goals, you know, making sure that we keep CO2 in check and that th- these companies are starting to, to use some of these innovative methods to really work towards, you know, long-term goals of overall reduction of CO2 emissions. Beyond uh, beyond hydrogen, Jason, what uh, what's out there, uh, you know, on the horizon, or, or things that are really even now uh, in in Louisiana? You know, I know that uh, one of the things you, I mean, we've we've talked a little bit about the the things going on in the Gulf of Mexico and just off your shore. Are, are there continued efforts to to do some offshore type of wind projects? Is that is is Absolutely. that is that feasible? It absolutely is, Ron. And again, you know, super, super excited about that as well. I mean, what we're what we're starting to see is that years ago, even when when I first started, we when I first started jumping into offshore wind and trying to learn about it, I, I think the technology at the time, my, my understanding was that you had to have you know significant wind speeds, and that you know the turbines and the, the, these types of production facilities that were being used in Europe you know, had to have a, a very, very high rate of speed of wind to be successful and to be able to be economically feasible. What we're starting to see now is that Louisiana has a what I would call a very good resource. It's not the best one in the world, but even, you know, western Louisiana and around the mouth of the river, NREL and some of these other um, agencies have done studies that have shown that, you know, we, we do have a very good wind resource. And I think that, you know, for us, we've tried to be very proactive in, in working with a lot of the development firms to show that we've got policies and procedures in place. Our, our Office of State Lands and Mineral Resources and other folks have put legislation in place to make sure that, you know, folks can understand very clearly what they have to do to get a lease, a lease agreement in Louisiana. So state waters in Louisiana are three miles out and then federal waters are there. Um, the governor has uh, signed a letter with BOEM to kind of start that lease process, and we're very optimistic that that's going to happen uh, sooner rather than later, and they've been a tremendous partner in trying to get ready um, and then the level of interest that we're seeing from developers is is really significant because in Louisiana, the thing that we're lacking right now the most is is a large portfolio of renewable power. And I think that you know offshore wind has a lot of potential in Louisiana. Right now, we um, we use natural gas for about 80% of our power. So being able to increase that renewable portfolio, either through solar and offshore wind, is super exciting because these same companies that I referenced earlier. You know, the more renewable power that they can get and incorporate into their industries, the lower carbon intensity their products can become. So I think that, you know, at the end of the day, we're very much trying to enable, um, you'll find that on the East Coast, you know, that sometimes these things take 8 to 10 years under development. We've been very aggressive in working with our sister agency, Louisiana Economic Development, and you'll see a lot of different things going on with our economic development engines, both in New Orleans and in Baton Rouge who are trying to facilitate making sure that companies have a very clear path forward on, on where Louisiana stands with this. And I think that, you know, from an investment standpoint, that's resonated very well where, you know, investors like to see that there are, you know, policies and procedures in place and something that is known. And, and, and we want them to know that, that we want to invest in Louisiana. And I think that, you know, when you look at how successful Oklahoma has been in the wind industry, They've got this tremendous onshore resource that was developed in a in a what I would consider a very short period of time, and when you look at what it's doing for these companies and the investment and, and the companies that it's attracting, it, it's extremely impressive. And, and and again, we want to use that kind of as an opportunity for us to grow. 
our portfolio of projects. And I think that, you know, for we, we see this as, as something that's going to position us to be long-term uh, manufacturing leaders in a lot of different spaces. Jason Lenklos with us today from the Louisiana Department of Natural Resources here on the Dynamic Decade. And Jason, as we kind of wind down, you know, you've you've kind of given us a, a real feel of what's out there. In other words, there's a lot of forward thinking that I've heard in this conversation today. What what do you what, what what's your what's your vision? What, what's what's your dream going, say, five years out for Louisiana and this whole energy conversation? Sure, Ron. Ron that, I, I would say that our, our dream is to, to make some of these things a reality, for lack of a better term. And I think that you know, a, a lot of times, you know, when you work in state government, you you work on policies or you work on programs, and and sometimes they could be very very good endeavors, but but they don't always get the legs they need to move forward. Um, I am very optimistic and very encouraged that a lot of the stuff that we're working on and a lot of the different pillars that we talked about today just show tremendous promise. And, and, and what's so exciting is that, you know, these companies from all over the world that have operations in Louisiana, they, they really are starting to invest. And I think that that's where you start to see that when you start to make project announcements, when you meet with a multifaceted group of folks, you know, on a, on a weekly basis that are, that are looking at Louisiana for investment, that just kind of tells you that, hey, look, we are headed in the right direction and that in three to five years, you know, the project announcements we think are just going to continue to come. And I think that, you know, that that's what's so exciting about this is that we're not just developing policies in the, in the hopes that people will come. We're actually starting to see, you know, the fruits of that labor and, and to see companies investing here and who are doing these types of innovative projects. It gives us a lot of comfort knowing that, you know, Louisiana is going to have a future in the energy industry and that we can still be a leader in traditional oil and gas, but we can still start to really cultivate being a leader in these in this low carbon intensity manufacturing space, which is at the end of the day, we see as just a tremendous opportunity when we can provide fuel to the nation and, and, and energy to the nation, but do it in a way that's environmentally sustainable and, and really supports our colleges and universities and gives uh, people a career path and, and people something to get excited about and a sense of pride about how we're doing and what we're doing in the state. And uh, for the three states that we've talked about, the Arkansas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, uh, this halo concept, uh, that's that's a very forward-looking thing as well, right? It, it is, Ron, and it's something that we, we're extremely excited about. And I, and I think that it's very seldom that, that you put uh, states together that have a very similar mentality and a very um, similar approach to, to how they want to do business in, in, in the sector. And I think that, you know, just... I've had the unique opportunity to to listen to uh, to our three governors in terms of where you know wh- where we're heading and what their views are on energy and it's just a, it's been a tremendous collaboration. We're kind of at the start of it, but uh, but I will tell you that we feel very optimistic about where we're going with this. And I think that you know for us these regional collaborations and making sure that we're doing things where you know project development is not being done in a vacuum where you just you know you do a great project and you don't develop the infrastructure around it or don't connect it with the other areas around it. This gives us that opportunity to bring a lot of folks together and to do things that have a bigger impact. And I think that that's what we want to do at the end of the day is to do to maximize, you know, federal investment and to make sure that these investments in the infrastructure that we're making kind of pay dividends in the long term. Thank you, Jason. Jason Lanklo from the uh, Louisiana Department of Natural Resources. And uh, that's our conversation today with Jason here on the Dynamic Decade. I'm Ron Hayes. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us. The Dynamic Decade starts today.